number of years ago, um, in the uh, Tournament of Roses parade, there's a beautiful, beautiful float, as they all are. And this one particular float was coming down the street. We have a picture of it right here. It was coming down the street, or a float, was coming down the street, and all of a sudden it ran out of gas. Well, it just took forever before they could do anything. The parade was held up for a long time uh, until they could finally find a truck that was nearby that came and hooked up to the float and towed it down a side street. But everybody was standing around laughing at this float. Now, it doesn't sound like a very nice thing to do, but the reason they were laughing was not because of the misfortune of the float, but the float actually belonged to the Standard Oil Company. So the one float that should never run out of gas had run out of gas and obviously held the parade up. Jesus promised in Luke 24, he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and he will actually pour into your life power from heaven. But what I want us to understand this morning is we speak about this theme, come get your fill. In order for us to actually experience that power, we have to remember where it comes from. And if we don't choose Jesus over things... If we're always looking for things to give us that boost or to give us that power, what we discover is that those things that we often find ourselves caught up in, rather than refreshing and refilling and renewing us, they actually tend to drain from us what little power that we have sometimes. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5.18, and if you have Bibles or you've got your iPhone applications, you can leave them open to Ephesians chapter 5. But in verse 18, he says this, do not be drunk with wine, which will ruin you, but be filled with the Spirit. So this morning, I want to try to answer two questions. Number one, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit of God? We talk about come get your fill. And number two, how can I be refilled with the Spirit? Now, it might be helpful this morning, uh, help you to follow me if I let you know where I'm going at the outset, so that... Uh, uh, so I'll start with my conclusion. It is this. And bear with me as I, as I kind of expand on this in a few moments. But I have found in some 40 years of walking with the Lord and more than 30 years of pastoral ministry, I have come to conclude myself that the evidence of the present fullness of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life is the joy of the Lord. The evidence of the present fullness of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life is joy that comes from God. Now, Nehemiah said to the people of God who were faced with this formidable task of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, which really do speak of, it's a beautiful picture in the Old Testament, of God by the ministry of the Holy Spirit rebuilding our personalities when we come to Christ and all that, all that He does because of the brokenness that sin brings in our lives. So as Nehemiah is talking to the people about that, he says this in chapter 8, verse 10. He says, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. In other words, it is the joy of the Lord that will make you strong. And it just so happens that the name Nehemiah means, anybody know? The name Nehemiah actually means comforter. Isn't that interesting? Comforter. And of course, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the comforter. Now, the Bible definition of joy is this. It is the sense or state of gladness or elation that people experience through a relationship with God. That's what joy is, that sense or state of elation that comes from our relationship with God. 
Now, this is so important. Because the Holy Spirit is a person, okay? He's not a thing. He's not an it. He is a person. It's more accurate to understand the filling of the Holy Spirit as actually the control or what we might call the compulsion of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about just goosebumps. We're not talking about something ethereal. We are talking about a person who actually wants to drive our lives. He wants to drive our lives in a gentle and loving way. But what that means is that the Holy Spirit is allowed to direct us. He's allowed to help us and empower us in the decisions that we make every single day and the things that we do, kind of like Jason was sharing earlier. And by the way, Jason, I'm sharing that very thing next Sunday. So uh, don't miss that. We're going to have a great day. See, because the world and the flesh and the devil, the Bible says, oppose the workings of the Holy Spirit in my life, it is so important that I be refilled with the Holy Spirit, that I be renewed with the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus' greatest desire for his disciples, he said in John chapter 15, he said is that my joy would be yours so that your joy would be complete. Your joy would be full. If there's something I can give you guys, if there's something I know you're going to need, it's my joy. And we'll see in a moment where that comes from. I believe with all my heart that hopelessness and helplessness that certainly characterizes our culture, but unfortunately many believers as well, it is the direct result of a lack of joy. Now, what does the fullness of the Holy Spirit mean? I want to take a, just a small detour here for a moment to lay a bit of foundation before we wind back up in Ephesians chapter 5. What does the fullness of the Holy Spirit mean? It was John the Baptist who actually coined the phrase, baptized with the Holy Spirit. In all four Gospels, John said on different occasions, he said, I will baptize people with water, but there is one coming, Jesus is coming, and he will baptize those same people with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In fact, there's two primary writers in the New Testament who speak of this idea of Holy Spirit baptism. Paul and Luke. Luke wrote the, uh, the, uh, Luke, the Gospel, obviously, but also the book of Acts. And, of course, Paul wrote a number of the letters of the New Testament. They spoke, both speak of this phrase, baptism with the Holy Spirit, but they actually talk about it in a slightly different way, which I'll explain. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 and 13, Paul writes these words. He says, Christ is like a single body, which has many parts. If you can imagine that, many parts. It is still one body, even though it's made up of different parts. In the same way, and he's speaking to believers, all of us have been baptized into one body by the same Spirit. Now, in this scripture, I want you to notice, I want you to underline in your mind the word by. All of us who are in Christ, we have been baptized by the Holy Spirit into one body. And what Paul is referring to here, he is talking about the ministry or the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life when you come to Christ, at the time of conversion, or what we call the time of regeneration, or a time of new birth, you have been, the Holy Spirit takes you, and He baptizes you, or immerses you, He connects you to the body of Jesus Christ, and you become a son or a daughter of God, because before then, the Bible also says in Galatians that we were dead to God. We were alienated from 
the life of God. That's interesting. Not just alienated from God, we were alienated from the life that only comes from God. It was not part of our experience. We were separated from Jesus. But once we open our heart to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and he baptizes us, connects us to the life of God. Now what's important to understand is that is a once and for all experience. The Lord does not intend you to get saved over and over and over again. I think I told you this story before, but I had a, I've got a lot of good Baptist friends. I was raised Baptist, and I was talking to a Baptist youth pastor once, and we were just kind of teasing each other a little bit. And we were talking about eternal security and going on about these different things. And he said, well, Paul, he said, our favorite scripture is, you must be born again. He said, Paul, you Pentecostals, your favorite scripture is, you must be born again and again and again and again. In other words, he was talking about a lot of evangelicals, Pentecostals, don't really understand the security that we have in Christ in our conversion experience. And so Paul is saying in Corinthians here, this is a once and for all experience that God intends for us where we are born again into the family of God, and now we are candidates to this next promise that the Lord has for us that he has prepared us for. And that's what Luke talks about. He's writing about an experience following conversion that he refers to as being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not just baptized by the Spirit into the family of God, but now that you are a clean vessel, you're empty of sin and ready for a newness of life to be poured into you, he says God's got something else for you. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, uh, Luke writes that just before Jesus returned to heaven, he told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they receive what God had promised. And this is what he said. John baptized people with water, but in a few days you will be what? Baptized with the Holy Spirit. You see, you've only been baptized by the Holy Spirit already because now you're sons and daughters of God. But now that you're a clean, ready vessel, he's got something he wants to pour in, which is actually not just a work of the Holy Spirit. He wants to pour into you the Holy Spirit. Because now that you are a child of God, now that you're spiritually you have come alive in conversion, what he wants now is to make sure that you've not just been cleansed by the Holy Spirit, you are now going to become driven by the Holy Spirit. You are now going to be motivated and fueled, fueled by the Holy Spirit. This promise in chapter 1 was fulfilled in, in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, the Jewish feast, dozens of followers of Jesus were meeting together in one place. We read in chapter 2. In verse 2 and 4, we read these words. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of violent wind came from heaven. You see, from heaven, outside. And filled the whole house where they were sitting. All of them were, read it with me, filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, here you can underline the word with. Previously, they were baptized by the Holy Spirit that made them candidates now to receive the fullness when they were baptized by the Holy Spirit. You see, unlike conversion, when we're baptized or immersed with the Holy Spirit into the family of God, the baptism with the Holy Spirit is an experience from God in which He intends to fill you in such a way with His life and His dynamic and His Spirit that your heart literally bursts forth in the utterance of a spiritual language that has 
beautiful purpose that will bring you into a whole different dimension of prayer and of worship and of spiritual warfare and of boldness to witness. That's what the Lord has for all of us. And this is not a once and for all experience. Conversion is intended to be a once and for all. Baptized by the Spirit doesn't need to be repeated. But being baptized with the Holy Spirit does need to be repeated. <coughs> Acts chapter 4, for example. There's many more scriptures I can give you, but this is just a slight detour before we finish up here. Acts chapter 4. Only a few short days after the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we just read about in Acts chapter 2. Now, from the experience in Acts chapter 2 to this particular situation in Acts chapter 4, the disciples, all the followers of Jesus who've been filled with the Holy Spirit, they've been working like dogs. Everywhere they've been going, they've been preaching about Christ, they've been believing God for miracles, ministering to the sick, whatever they could do, they were just worshiping and working for the Lord. They were also being persecuted by the Jewish authorities who wanted them to stop talking about Jesus. Now imagine how you'd feel. What you've just experienced and what you're seeing the Lord do, and those who should know God are the very ones that come to you and say, stop talking about what God's doing. Basically what they're saying. But it was also for threat of their lives. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that they remember seeing what happened to Jesus. So this kind of stuff's going to be messing with your head. So they go to the Lord in prayer. And they pray for boldness to continue to do what they were doing. Acts chapter 4, verse 31 says this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were what? Say it with me. All filled with the Holy Spirit and spake the word of God boldly. That's important because it doesn't say that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit again and spoke in tongues. They'd already been baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they gave the evidence of speaking with other tongues. But now Luke intentionally focuses on the fact they received the answer for their prayer. These Spirit-filled, tongue-talking people were getting drained out because they were giving so much and down to a point of even being afraid, and now the Holy Spirit comes and refills them, and there comes boldness to do what? To continue to do what Jesus told them to do when he said, the Holy Spirit would come upon you. You will be my witnesses. They needed fresh courage and fresh strength because they were ministering with all that they had and their strength was zapped at that time. You know, I find a walk with the Lord, it is so easy to get worn out and to get discouraged. You ever feel that way? But you see, the Lord didn't design us to, to live that way. The Lord did not design you and me. He did not do the work He's done in our life just so we could put up with that co-worker that irritates us. He didn't do what he does in our life just so we can tolerate our spouse. Good time to tell your wife you love them. <clears throat> he didn't do what he's done in our lives just so we could endure our job. Jesus said in John 10, I have come that you might have life and that you might have that life, how? To the full. You see how those words are used? being filled with the Holy Spirit. I've come to give you life to the full. We were created to enjoy life. Now, that's not always easy to do. And one of the reasons it's not easy to do is because we can't control our circumstances. But what we can control and what the Lord wants to refill us to be able to control is what goes on here. So that our attitude and our actions are not determined just by our circumstance. And it doesn't mean it's easy but we have options. 
And that really is a difference, as we all know, between joy and happiness. What is happiness? Happiness comes from the same root as the word happenings or what happens. Happiness is based on what happens to us or what's not happening. Or as somebody wisely said many, many years ago, happiness is when your happenings happen to happen the way you happen to want them to happen. That's happiness. But when that doesn't happen, what happens? That wasn't intentional, by the way. You're unhappy. That's essentially what happiness is. Not altogether a bad thing, but it's just limited, and it comes from the outside in. Joy comes from the inside out. That's why James said this in chapter 1. Consider it an opportunity for great joy when troubles of any kind come your way. For you know that when your faith succeeds in facing such trials, the result is greater strength. Now, I can remember years ago reading that passage and thinking, James, you're nuts. Why would you consider it an occasion for great joy when troubles come your way? I believe what James is saying is this. I want you to understand. He's not saying that these things that come your way make you happy. No. The happiness you're looking for comes from seeing how God's strength that is work at work in you through joy actually gives you strength to overcome rather than being overwhelmed. So it's not that you have to look at these circumstances and kind of like with a spiritual lobotomy, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> more, Lord, more. You don't do that. You know, oftentimes we, we say, why, Lord? I don't understand. What did they do wrong? Whatever the case may be. But when we get our eyes back on the Lord and we say, Lord, okay, here's what reality is. Lord, I ask for more strength. I ask for more joy. I ask for the strength to go through this. And as the Lord brings you through that, the occasion of joy is to look back and say, Lord, your strength brought me through that. And, and with having experience in that, you can also have great strength in looking back at your history and say, Lord, I'm not sure how you're going to do it, but I'm confident you're going to bring me through again. And that knowledge gives me joy. And it gives me strength to continue to move on. It's important that we maintain our joy. Why? Because joy leaks. It just leaks. You know, if there's a tool I could buy, I will... This has nothing to do with the sermon, okay, but it's a good illustration. There's a gun I want to buy. I'm getting old. I need a hobby. I need to get out and kill something, right? Actually, I'm just going to go to the target practice. I'm not going to shoot anything. I couldn't shoot anything unless I could eat it. Um, and there's this gun that I wanted to buy. But we're kind of on this budget for various reasons, capital campaign, all that good stuff. Don't stop giving the capital campaign, okay? I am. Keep it up. We've got more news coming. Beautiful gun. Wasn't that much? Like 200 bucks. Just a nice old, it's called a Mosin. Just a beautiful old Soviet war gun. Beautiful gun. There's, there's no really no point to this, this. In any case, so I think I got a reimbursement check from the church. I paid some stuff. My visa got the check. And I went to the bank, and I realized I could cash this check. And Vanessa wouldn't know. <laughs> Confession's good for the soul. And I could just kind of, you know, go buy that gun or at least put some money down on it and sneak that little puppy into my gun cabinet, which she never looks at, too. <laughs> I lost the key, honey, in case you wonder. Now, I have no idea why. 
any case, but I didn't do that, and I gave it to her and probably put it to the capital campaign or something. But uh, maybe it has something to do with joy. But anyways, that's the difference with joy. And, oh, that's what it was. Yeah, I was talking about the air compressor. That's what it was. Because I was thinking, that's something else I'd like to have. A portable air, I mean, I got an air compressor, rinky-dink thing you plug into the side of the house. But, uh, you know, these portable air compressors, you know, they, you can fill them up, and you can take them anywhere. And the advantage with them, you don't have to plug them in, you don't need, to, I need an extension cord all the time, I want to use my little one, you know. And, uh, but these portable compressors, you see the picture here, the beauty, beauty is, is if you've got, like, a, you know, the car's deflated or, you know, a friend's in trouble, there's a good need, right, guy? The one time you'll need it, uh, there, there's reasons for that. But, uh, you know, you can take this portable compressor, and wherever it may be that needs inflation, because obviously you can't bring the vehicle your way, you've got to go that way. Does that make sense, ladies? That makes sense, right? You should have a portable compressor. Because your car might have a flat, and you have to call your husband. And he could just put his portable compressor in the car, off he goes, and he's your knight in shining armor. So anyways, I'd love to have this portable compressor. But that's what it does. But you know, when I think of a portable compressor, whatever that word is, portable compressor, it reminds me of really what it's like to be followers of Christ. Because, <clears throat> you know, oh, through, through the whole week, you know, you go, you're, you're working all week, uh, maybe you're in some other setting where the only believer, but the reality is, no matter where we go through the course of the week, we always encounter people who are deflated. You ever notice that? We encounter people who are stuck where they are. They just can't seem to get out of that. Or, or maybe they're discouraged or depressed or going through some stressful thing or problems in the marriage, whatever it may be. And what the Lord desires for us is that we would be filled so that wherever we go, we can come into connection with those who are deflated and we are able to help those who are overwhelmed because we ourselves have not been overcome. Does that make sense? He wants us to be filled in order that we might pour into those around us. I knew I'd get back to this eventually. That's the desire of the Lord for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and for us to know His joy. Nehemiah said this, the joy of the Lord is your what? Strength. The what? The joy. And where does the joy come from? The Lord. Very important. The joy of the Lord will be as strength to you. Now, please understand, the joy of the Lord doesn't always make you giddy. The joy of the Lord sometimes doesn't even make you happy. But what you discover is that His joy will give you strength to do what needs to be done. Now, if we're honest, most of us, I think, would have to admit this morning, our prayers are really more about, even though we express different things in different ways, Really, our prayers kind of boil down to these few words. God, make me happy. Am I lying? Isn't that not a lot of our prayers? God, make me happy. Give me more happy. And friends, in our Christian culture that we don't realize, and we're slow to admit it, we have become addicted to pleasure. We are actually in this entertainment coma. In our, I'm serious, we are. We're just in this entertainment-induced coma. And so often as the people of God, when what we really need is the joy of the Lord, what we really need is to be filled afresh with the Spirit of God, what we really need is to get away to a quiet place and allow the Lord to fill us, what do we do? We give in to the flesh, which is to try to entertain ourselves. 
something else to do, something else to buy, something else to watch. It's just this momentary pleasure that we get a little bit of happiness, but it dissipates. Let me ask you this morning, when was the last time that you were actually filled with the Holy Spirit and with the joy that comes from the Lord? Now, I didn't ask, when was the last time you spoke in tongues? And that's not to diminish the beauty of the spiritual language the Lord has given us. But how many understand you can speak in tongues and have no joy? Well, how do we regain our joy? Number one, you just got to refill often. The more life taxes you, the more you've got to refill. Because like we saw a couple of weeks ago, uh, if you weren't here, you can go online. We were talking about being salt and light in our culture and what that means. But what we saw then was that God has intentionally placed you and me into the midst of a broken and corrupt world. He's done that. Like Jason was saying, he actually wants to kick us out of here and get us into there and realize that's what this is all about because they need this. And I love what Paul says to the Philippians. He says this, you must shine among them like stars lighting up the sky as you offer them the message of life. That's who we're meant to be in the midst of our culture, being filled with the Spirit of God, Paul says. Do not get drunk with wine. Don't go into that entertainment-induced coma. Be filled with the life of God that makes you effective while at the same time being able to enjoy in moderation some of the good things life has to offer. There's nothing wrong with that. But when that becomes the focus, we all know what that's like, don't we? We honestly know what that's like. We know sometimes we're making that purchase. We know we're just trying to fill an emptiness. It doesn't mean we can't make a purchase, but how many times do you just walk away and, say, and, and listen to the Lord who says, you don't need that. It's just going to bring more bondage. It's going to bring more debt. It's going to bring more stress. It's going to bring this or that, or your wife's going to find out when she looks in your gun cabinet. Don't do it. She will use the gun. And you walk away and you're thankful to the Lord because you're all saying, Lord, thank you. And I've done this sometimes. I've walked away and I've said, Lord, thank you that you're my source of joy. Lord, thank you that you're the novelty that I need right now. And he's able to free you from a lot of that stuff. So we need to refill often. How do you do that? He says this in Ephesians uh, in 5, 19 and 20. Speak to yourselves with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything. You see? Lord, you give me everything I need, and I thank you for that. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is an inner conversation that's going on in all of our heads right now. Now, some of you are looking at your phones, you're on Facebook, you know, all that foolishness. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? In fact, if you are, get off, okay? It's God's time. We're having these inner conversations all the times in our head, and you have to police those thoughts. Because I don't know about you, but I've found those thoughts can go negative real quick. We've got to police those thoughts. That's why we need to be refilled with God's presence and God's thoughts. And one of the ways that you do that, Paul says, is you learn to speak to yourself with spiritual thoughts that in turn make melody in your heart. What are spiritual thoughts? I believe spiritual thoughts are simply words and songs that the Lord gives to us that have the power to move your life in the direction that you want to go. God gives us those thoughts and those songs and those words. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 that the Word of God is alive and it is powerful. 
And when you allow the words of God, when you allow the songs that God gives to us to enter into that conversation, that inner conversation, hope begins to stir deep down inside of you as you remember that every situation has divine options and divine possibilities. Otherwise, we just defeat ourselves. David said in the 23rd Psalm, verse 5, he said, Lord, you prepare before me in the presence of a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What's on the table? I believe because of David's love for the word, David was saying the promises of God. When hell itself comes against me, Lord, I thank you that between the enemy and me, there's a table full of your word, full of your promises, full of testimonies of who you are and what you've shown yourself to be to me and what you've done in my life. There are songs that I can feed on that's there. And those songs and those words and those testimonies, that's what puts fuel in my tank. That's what gives me the strength. I don't know if I should tell this story. It comes to mind again. That's a long weekend. That's why I wore the Hawaiian shirt. <clears throat> Actually, there's another one. 50 bucks at Sears, Walmart, $14.95. And Vanessa liked it. There was this lady, didn't have much money, not much income. Didn't have much in the house. Oftentimes, didn't have much in her cupboards. But this particular time, she just she was running really low, maybe had enough little snacks for a day or two. She went out on her front porch, and she lifted up her hands and began to sing, Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy... Lord, I thank you that you're faithful. Lord, I don't have any food, but you are faithful, and I praise you that you're faithful. Well, the guy next door was an atheist. And he would say, shut up! Stop singing! Oh, thank you, Lord, you're faithful, hallelujah, you are faithful, you're going to fill my cupboard. See, this for a couple of days, drove the guy nuts. Finally, he decided, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the store, and I'm going to buy groceries for this lady... I'm going to put them on her front step, and then I'm going to tell her that I did it, and God didn't do it. So she's out there, great is thy faithfulness, Lord, I thank you, you know my need, but you're going to provide, I thank you. She goes back in the house, when he sees she's not there, he comes, puts all these groceries on the front step, rings her doorbell, goes around the side of the house. She comes out one more time, Lord, you're faithful, this is amazing, this is more than I need. And he comes up from around the corner, and says, it wasn't God, it was me, See? And she just shot her hands up to heaven and said, Oh, God, thank you. Not only did you provide it, you made the devil deliver it. <laughs> See, it's all attitude. True story. <laughs> kind of. Okay, I want to get out of here early. This brings me back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. In the present tense of the verb, Paul is literally saying this. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 15 to 18, so be very careful how you live. Do not live like those who are not wise, but live wisely. Use every chance you have for doing good. We heard about that this morning. Why? Because these are evil times. He's not just picking on the big bad world. He's saying because these are times when there's a lot of evil going on in the world and people are broken, people are hurt. So do not be foolish, but learn what the Lord wants you to do. Do not be drunk with wine, which will ruin you, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul contrasts drunkenness with the Spirit's fullness, and it's key. Paul is asking this, I believe. What do people turn to alcohol for? Essentially, for a happy hour. Isn't it kind of funny? That's what it's called. It's called the happy hour. That's why you go and get drunk with your friends. We want to be happy. But Paul says, here's the problem. 
These are evil times. These are times when we're not just dealing with surface happiness. We're dealing with brokenness. We're dealing with pain. We're dealing with real life things that the happiness just doesn't last because when it's all over, you're still stuck with the same problem. You're still even more depressed if you get drunk or high, whatever the case may be. So we need something more than a temporary escape from reality. We need a truth, a strength, a power that can deal effectively with reality because life can be hard. Life can be frightening. Life can be discouraging and downright depressing. So he says, where do we turn? My grandfather on my mother's side was a cantankerous old man. Cantankerous old man. Can we say cantankerous here? It's okay? Okay. Cantankerous old man. Nobody really liked him. I loved him. We got along great. I don't know why. I mean, as a kid, I could see through the nair. You know, he'd be cranky, crumpy. I'd just crawl up on his lap, give him a big hug, and, you know. And I knew he liked me because he'd save Canadian tire money, and I was the only grandchild he'd give it to. Now, when you're, you know, a kid, you got these wads of money. Now, my mother made me share it with my siblings, which was a drag. So, because then I had to go steal it from But, But anyways, we were, we were really close. Even though he was cantankerous, he didn't smile a whole lot, definitely didn't go to church, had no time for God and all that kind of stuff. But what I found interesting, he passed away when I was 13, so a lot of this stuff's kind of going on when I was six or seven, okay? What I found really interesting was that when he get a few drinks under his belt, he, you know, I didn't, I didn't understand. I mean, if you could be drunk and stand in front of me today, unless you're falling over, I wouldn't know. I just, I just wasn't raised in any kind of thing. But, you know, what I'd noticed was he'd start putting his arm around people. And he'd be laughing with them and telling them jokes. And the thing that really surprised me, he'd start singing all these hymns. Well, that kind of happiness was short-lived. The next day, he'd be cantankerous and hungover. Paul says to find real joy. We've got to remember where it comes from. Entertainment is a nice diversion, but it doesn't provide the fuel that we need. In fact, the word entertain is rather interesting. It's a compound word that means enter, meaning inside, and the, the second part of the word means support. So entertainment is supposed to be inner support. That's basically what it means. And, and in the natural, we understand what that means. I've had a hard day. I need some inner support. So we look to entertainment that the problem is it doesn't satisfy. We need something from the outside. And then Jesus said this in John 7. He said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. If anyone believes in me, rivers of living water, speaking of the Holy Spirit, rivers of living water will what? Flow out from that person's heart. There will come a rumbling and a stirring and a rising up that flushes out and overflows. The Bible says in Acts chapter 13 that the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. David said, Thou, o, You, O Lord, have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. What's he saying? A man who could have it all. I see folks who have it all. But their joy doesn't compare to the joy that I have in you, Lord, and the blessing that you bring into my life. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. We're going to close a little bit differently this morning. But come, on, come along, musicians. Get the full band back here. When I ministered in Newfoundland a number of years ago, there was a precious lady. Her name was Diane. She was just a tiny thing. And she went through so much abuse and hurt and just... Life was so messed up. The husband was abusive. This is going back, what, 20 years ago? And I remember the night that she gave her heart to the Lord. 
She was baptized by the Holy Spirit into the family of God. But then she was gloriously baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this lady that always would come and look down and just feel so ashamed and unworthy, for the first time I just saw as the Holy Spirit filled her, the Lord filled her with the Holy Spirit, her, her countenance began to change. The, the Bible says that the Lord is my glory and what? The lifter of my head. And you see that so often when the Lord fills us with the Holy Spirit, what happens? All of a sudden the shame is gone, the brokenness is gone. We just begin to lift up our heads and we look right into the eyes of Jesus and we worship him. And this precious little lady, she just began to look up and this big old smile came on her face and she just began to laugh and laugh. She just had one of those laughs that were like nails on a chalkboard. You know, <laughs> you know kind of, I don't know, what, I can't even do it. But she would come to church after that, and when she would worship the Lord, she would just laugh, and it would, some people got really irritated. You know, the real Christian religious ones? They got really irritated because they didn't know her story. But for those of us who knew her story, it was just making melody to the Lord. It was just a beautiful song. Well, probably about a year down the road, Diane just went through this horrendous time of pain and of suffering and things at home, and you could just kind of see, you know, the course of a week, just... just that old kind of spirit returning, just that heaviness and, and worry and fear and stress. And she just, she just lost her joy. And she was probably like that for a couple weeks. She wasn't at church, I think, for a few weeks. And finally, you kind of convinced her to come back. And, and here she was again, just Diane. She, she loved the Lord. She was a Christian. She didn't lose her salvation or anything, but she had lost her joy. And I can remember so simply just inviting her at the end of the service, going down and saying, Diane, come on up, let's pray for you. And she came up, and I can remember so simply just laying hands upon her forehead and saying, Jesus, I just pray in your precious name, restore her joy. Just restore her joy. I didn't pray about the abuse at home, and I didn't pray about this and that and the other thing and all the things that were weighing her down. I just said, Jesus, would you just give her her joy back? And I could just sense the Holy Spirit come upon her. And you could just sense that the Holy Spirit was bubbling inside of her. And she was just like, no word of a lie. I really can't do it, but it was something like this. She just kind of, you know, Lord. And then like, well, five minutes in. <laughs> I can't do it justice. But bit by bit, as the Holy Spirit, that river began to wall out, it just exploded again, and that good old chalkboard laugh was just going through the building. And everybody knew that she got her joy back. And she was so excited, and she went back home and faced many of the same things, but in the strength of the Lord. I'm going to ask the worship team just to play softly right now. That song we opened the service with, Counting on God. Can you guys do that? Just a soft, it's hard to play that soft, I know, but just need a bit of background. I just need to feel it. Go ahead, just do a couple bars. Kristen's so cooperative. Can we do that softly? Sure. Sure. I'm going to wait for it. I was in the office. Oh, well, I heard this song a few times in rehearsal stuff. They did a conference. I was in the office when they were practicing this. Even when the service first started, because I was running late. It was funny because my feet started tapping. I'm just kind of getting ready. Doesn't it make you want to move? I came across this quote by Max Licato, and I want to finish the message with this. 
Let's bring it up. He said this. Let God have you. And let God love you. And don't be surprised if your heart begins to hear music you've never heard. And your feet learn to dance like never before. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? And, and I can't think this morning of a better way to end this message and a better way to officially start our theme of come get your fill. Because one of the things you're going to discover when we talk about come get your fill over these next few weeks, it's all about getting filled to overflow. That's what it's all about. It's all about getting it in here to bring it out there. That's what it's all about. And experiencing it out there and bring it in here as a testimony. So we you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask the altar ministry team, would you just come right away? Those of the ministry team, just stand along the front. If you need to slip out, you're welcome to slip out. But if you're here this morning to say, you know what, I do, I do need some joy. I just need my joy back. And, and maybe you're saying, well, I've got this wrong and that wrong and all these other things. And those things are real. But, you know, we can spend all of our time just praying about every little thing. But really all you need is just one big dose of joy. One big dose of joy. I remember one lady who was going through divorce and said, Pastor, when I was in prayer and I just, my life was like this big ball of knotted up yarn. And I said, Lord, would you help me get that all undone? Would you help me to solve this and this and this? And she said, in my spirit eye, I literally saw the Lord just pour a hot liquid oil over that ball of yarn and he dissolved. He said, I'm not going to untie it. I'm just going to take it away. Now, he wasn't saying I was taking away all the things happening. I'm taking away all the knottedness inside and all the dryness and all the brokenness, all the fear you have, all the unbelief, all the shame. I'm going to fill you with joy. And you're going to discover that my joy is going to bring great strength to you. Amen? The Spirit of the Lord within you, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, will give you joy. And His joy will not be an empty emotion. It will be strength to you. And it will be a reason for rejoicing. So we're just going to close with this song. I'm going to ask Pastor Christian and the worship team just to cut it loose. They're going to have fun singing this song. And I want to encourage you, don't be ashamed. If your foot moves a little bit, it's okay. If you want to clap, it's okay. If you want to move your hips, well, that's not okay. But whatever you want to do, honestly, I'm just kidding. If you want to do it, it's okay. I, my prayer today, Lord, just restore your joy. Because you know what? When you're happy, you're going to go to work and something's going to happen and take away your happiness. You're going to go home. Somebody's going to say something and take away your happiness. But when you got the joy, wherever you go, whatever situation you go into, you go with joy that is strength because you're not overwhelmed. You're having to overcome and help those who are overwhelmed because the joy will be so I want to encourage us this morning. If you don't know Jesus, why don't you come? We want to be baptized by the Spirit into the family of God. If you do know Jesus, why don't you come? There's not enough people. Just come and stand somewhere, dance in the aisle until the Lord, until the Lord fills you with His joy. Amen? You might have a little chuckle. You might have a little laugh. But the Lord will open you up and give you a reason to sing this morning. Amen? Let's allow the Lord this morning to put a spring back in us. God bless you. If you need to go, you're welcome to hang around. The Lord's still here. Let's sing it to the Lord.